stay. This was a permanent move for at least for a long period of time. In our Jeremiah, Jeremiah reading, the prophet is giving some advice to people that are in a new place. They've moved and he says, settle down, build houses, have children, plant gardens. In other words, unpack your boxes. Don't leave them in the garage. Make home. This is where you're going to stay. But unlike me, who had chosen to move and wanted to be in those different places, the people here are not happy to be where they are. They've been captured by the Babylonians and taken away into exile. They are 900 miles away from home. And then they receive a letter from Jeremiah, their prophet. Whatever news they might have been hoping for, it wasn't this. God didn't have a message of, don't worry, you can keep leave those boxes all packed up because I'm going to bring you home soon. That wasn't the message that they received. Make the best of it. Get used to it. This is where you're going to be for generations. Your children and grandchildren are going to be in this place. So you need to adjust. Put down roots. Unpack your boxes. I have to say, I am quite amazed at Jeremiah's self-restraint. Had I been writing this letter, I'm not sure that I could have resisted just a little, I told you so. When we think of prophets, we probably have an image of somebody that is respected by the community, an upstanding pillar, somebody old probably with a great big long beard. That's my image anyway of a prophet. But Jeremiah started in this ministry. God called him when he was a young man. He said, I don't have the words, God, I'm only young. I don't know what to say. Don't send me. But God spoke through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was obedient and did give the message that God gave him. But that message was not a message that the people wanted to hear. And Jeremiah was not respected. Jeremiah continued to speak the words that God gave him, even when that made him unpopular. He spoke against idols and false prophets. He even spoke against greedy priests. As you can imagine, that didn't make him too popular. It didn't go down very well. And Jeremiah was despised by most people. They tried to do whatever they could to ignore him or silence him. They even tried to kill him. So when he had prophesied that they would be exiled to Babylon, saying that they would be there for generations, people weren't too happy with him. He even went so far as walking around with a yoke across his shoulders as a symbol that they would be in service. A false prophet came along, Hananiah, and he broke the yoke that Jeremiah was wearing. And he said, don't worry, you'll only be in exile for a couple of years. It'll be okay. He spoke against what Jeremiah was prophesying. But Jeremiah had got it right. It hadn't been what the people had wanted to hear, but it was the message from God. And so here is Jeremiah writing to the people in their exile. And being a prophet and far more holy than me, Jeremiah doesn't say, oh, I told you so. You should have listened to what I had to say. 
but neither does he simply tell them what they want to hear. He stays true to what God is calling him to. Instead of saying, don't worry, stick it out, it'll be okay, stay true to who you are and you'll be home in a couple of years. Don't bother unpacking. Instead of saying that, Jeremiah says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. In other words, you're going to be here for a long time. But not only settle down, not only unpack your boxes, make your life okay, but also seek the peace of the city, the peace and prosperity of it. I have carried you into that place. Pray for it, because if it prospers, so will you. Can you imagine being given that message? Seek the peace of the city of the place that you have been sent to in exile. Work for it to prosper. How can that possibly be? I think it can be a reminder to us of what our attitude needs to be. Jeremiah is warning them against turning inwards, against becoming insular and self-focused. He's saying rather, turn outwards, work for the good of all, be present truly present where you are. And in fact, in their time in exile, there was opportunities for growth and to see God at work in amazing ways. But in order to make the most of these, the people needed to be open to God, to be willing to adapt to their circumstances. That doesn't mean that there wasn't mourning for what was or wrestling with God. We need only to turn to lamentations to find the crying out of the people. And that is right and it is necessary. God can take our questions. He can take our accusations and our grief and our tears. He can take our anger and our fear. God calls us beyond those things. Yes, to express them, to be real about them and to bring them to him. He weeps with us cries out in anger with us and comforts us. And then he says, now this. See where you are now and the opportunities that I am giving you. In Isaiah 43 we read, see I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If we seek God, we will find him. If we are open to the possibility that God is calling us to something new, then we can be amazed at what God can do in and through us. Today, we need only look at the world around us to want to close the doors, to mourn for what we once were and to cry out in despair. It can feel as though we are exiled. How did we get to this place? Environmentally, politically, economically? I have no idea how to make a difference, how to really change what's happening in these places. And it can seem as if we are in a foreign land. 
but we too are called to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, to be salt and light and yeast in the world. We cannot retreat into ourselves and simply focus on our own protection and survival, for God tells us that our survival depends on the well-being of all. Later on in the Gospels, we hear Jesus calling us to love our neighbours and even more to love our enemies. In order to be who God is calling us to be, we need to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. When we do, we all thrive and blossom and God's kingdom can be seen. Just a few verses later in Jeremiah, we come across what is many people's favourite Bible verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope for the future. God declares this to the people in the midst of exile. When all hope had seemed lost, a future, the people might ask, what future do we have here? in this place. We too might want to ask that question, but the good news is that with God there is always hope. And that message of hope can be seen in our gospel passage from this morning too. Our God is a God that offers us hope and a future. In that reading we find ten men who are on the edge of society, on the margins, men that have every reason to be without hope. And they spot Jesus. They see him coming and they cry out to him, have pity on us, or in some translations, have mercy on us. I wonder what it was that they were expecting when they cried out. Were they just asking for money or for food or a blessing perhaps? Or maybe, I wonder if they had heard of this Jesus and the amazing things he had been doing. Maybe they were filled with hope. Please, Jesus, have pity on us. Heal us. Perform a miracle. And Jesus responds with compassion. He tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. And they are cleansed. It is amazing. Their lives now do have a future. They can regain their place in society, every single one of them. But one of those men returns to Jesus in praise and thanksgiving. He recognises that he need not go to the priests to give thanks to God, for God is there and he can approach him directly. This man is a Samaritan, an outsider, someone other. Yet he is the one that can see who Jesus is and brings his praise and thanksgiving to him. The other men haven't done the wrong thing. They have followed Jesus' instructions and the laws. They have gone to the temple and offering their praise there. They have been healed. And much like with the story of Mary and Martha, where I identify with Martha, I find myself, if I'm honest, thinking that I would probably be in the place of these nine men. 
Jesus gives them an instruction and they follow it. I don't like to break the rules. I never once had a detention when I was at school. And so Jesus, pointing out the fact that it was the foreigner that's returned, is making a positive comment about him rather than a negative comment about the others. They haven't done wrong. They have been healed and they have gone to the temple. But this man, this Samaritan, has noticed something more. And as ever in Luke's gospel, we are reminded that it is a universal significance that Jesus' message has. It is for all people, not just for some. Jesus' ministry and his mission is one of radical inclusion. And we are called to that same inclusion. This man, this Samaritan, has seen and recognized Jesus. He praises God and offers his thanks and then changes his direction. And so what we see makes all the difference. How we see the world around us. Are we expecting to find God already active in the world? Or do we think that we carry God with us? Do we see and recognize the activity of God? Do we have open eyes and ears and minds and hearts to see what God is doing and to join in? And how do we see ourselves? Do we know that we are a precious child of God? Do we value who we are and bring all of ourselves to God? We need to align our vision with God's vision. And so this passage from Luke is a passage about the margins. Jesus and the disciples were traveling in between places on the edges of Samaria and Galilee. The lepers were on the margins of society, not fully welcome. And the Samaritan represents those on the margins culturally and ethnically, the other. Are there places and times, I wonder, when you feel as if you are in the margins? If so, know that God is there with you, journeying with you and making you whole. And I wonder who are those who are on the edges of our society today that we are called to see and to bring words of comfort and healing. Both of our readings this morning are essentially missional texts. They are texts that call us out. In Jeremiah, we are reminded that we are to be present in the world, not to withdraw and to build fortresses, but to go out to help to build communities and to work for the well-being of all in God's name. And in Luke, we have a reminder of the radical inclusion in the mission and ministry of Jesus, that we need to pay attention to see where God is at work and to give him the praise and thanksgiving and to go out in the world knowing that we are made whole in God. 
I want to finish with a verse from the book of Romans that somebody uh, sent to me this morning, somebody that some of you know, uh, Keela, who was the deacon here before me, uh, just sent me a little message this morning, and it had this verse in it, and I was amazed at how it chimed in with all that I wanted to say this morning. It says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we're going to sing again now. Summoned by the God who made us, rich in our diversity, gathered in the name of Jesus, richer still in unity.